Hey listeners, I'm James Schmidt, and I'm so excited for you to hear our newest episode. In this one, I talk with Laura Mann Hill about theater, social justice, and how they tie into each other and the world at large. I hope you enjoy it! I love to do the magic of bringing amazing people together. Let's start with Laura's story. Laura, you, um, you know, your life has been an unfolding story in which you are designing it. That's what I love about watching you in action. I recently saw how you helped co-direct or co-design with a group of youth um, a show called Power to the People, in which James was also um, an actor within it. It was the first online theater performance that brought forward a social message just in time for our election. So that's one of your many projects. So Laura, tell us a little bit more about what has brought you to the work that you're up to. I think it started with you as a child. And um, also, I should tell you that you're an amazing parent with children that are doing amazing things just like you did when you were a child. So Take it away, Laura. Tell us a little bit about you. Sure. Um, yeah, I grew up in the Twin Cities um, and I lived, my family, you know, um, really lived in a way that encouraged me to pursue my passions from a very young age, um, whether it was my grandma <laughs> pushing me in front of people to sing a song that I had just created or you know, my sister and I um, creating plays in our backyard um, and telling stories. Uh, I, ha I was really grateful and I have, I feel really blessed to have been able to be in an environment where things that I was good at and that I was interested in was really um, celebrated and cultivated. Um, and so I think that that was really the kind of the fertile ground for me to develop my sense of self and identity um, coming from a multi-racial, multicultural background, um, I know what it feels like to kind of navigate different worlds and to sometimes feel outside, like an outsider in, in different spaces. Um, and something that really helped me as a young person was storytelling and theater. Um, my grandma was a storyteller and she said there is something that's really magical about when you tell something orally versus just reading it. And literature and reading is also something my family really values. Um, but I think my grandma introduced me to the kind of that magic of storytelling. Um, and I do believe she, she was one of the people who kind of planted that seed um, inside of me. People don't believe me now, but I am an introvert <laughs> at heart. Um, but theater helps me really develop uh, my ability to speak out and speak up when things just don't feel right in the world. And so when, and at first I think it starts, it started small, you know, in elementary school, I was in, I went to Dowling Urban Environmental Learning Center by the Mississippi River. And we used to do plays about the environment. <laughs> and so I actually was a place that really helped develop my love for, you know, caring about the outdoors, but in a way that was um, really creative and, and worked well with my love of storytelling and performance. And so uh, at that school, we had this amazing teacher, Mrs. Borgen, who was, you know, I, I, she saw me in the back, I was supposed to be playing a fairy and she saw me in the back of the, the rehearsal and I knew all the, everybody's lines and the, the kid who was playing the main character, he just didn't know his part and she was like, come here. And I kind of ended up jumping into this, <laughs> this part at the last minute. And it was my first, you know, she kind of put me on the spot and I ended up kind of taking the main role in this, this performance, you know, and I'm like in the third grade, you know, so I, that's kind of where I, I started to realize that I, I did have a gift though. It was something that I was good at. Um, and I started in the next couple of years, I continued to do plays at my school. And then, um, when I was in about fifth grade, there's so many great theater companies in the Twin Cities. And I've been going to plays since I was about two years old. Um, again, my grandma, my grandma Kitty, she took me to plays <laughs> uh, at a very young age. And uh, so I started auditioning. And one of the places that I 
was in one of my first shows that was the youth performance company. Um, and one of the first shows I did with them also happened to be, uh, cause something about youth performance company is, is they really do try to create, um, it's a, a small theater company, but they really uh, create very bold theater. Um, and they're trying to center youth led work and it really empower uh, youth to, to think about how theater can change the world, right? How can how can youth and inspire social change through through really doing bold theater? So, I was in this play called The Day King Died, and so it was you know set in historical time of you know the the day that Dr. Martin Luther King died and how that impacted our country, right? So it's a time of people now look back and you know Martin Luther King, the way that he is portrayed um, in our current era and the way that history has been really rewritten, people don't realize that he was not uh, revered. He was, I mean, he was killed, he was murdered, right? So, uh, and he was revered in that, like the work that he was doing was really important and a lot of people followed him. But I think sometimes people forget that like a lot of white people were really angry and didn't like the changes that he was proposing. And so in this play, we had a cast of uh, mostly uh, about half the cast was mostly African-American and the rest of the cast was mostly white. And then I'm, I'm multiracial. So my mom is, is white. My dad is African-American. Um, we do have some indigenous ancestry, but it's, we don't know a lot about that, unfortunately. Um, but basically, so I was in a role where I was in this place where I kind of was, um, you know, kind of exploring these really uh, intense racial issues and topics. Um, and as a cast, we really had to really become really strong in our sense of self and our respect for one another because we are, when we're on stage, there was this intense hatred that we're portraying and all of this tension and kind of exploring this time in our history that, that is still not resolved, right? I mean, the country, we know that <laughs> these are not things that are, they're, they're not new issues, the issues that we're facing today. But I think what the gift that I, I got from being in a show like that at a, a young age was kind of really being able to talk about issues that people sometimes find are uncomfortable um, and then being able to work with other people of, of different ages because Youth Performance Company is, um, it is a, a place for youth but there were often like some adults and like older youth in the show. So really learning from youth that had been there for years and then myself being newer to um, kind of a, the more professional theater world. So I learned so much um, from each other uh, just through that whole process. And then it was just really exciting to be part of a show where I felt like the, you know, the message of the show was relevant to today's youth as well. Um, so that's well, can I stop you just for a second yeah, there. For that, sure. That 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 show that you were talking about a teacher that saw you in third grade and you yeah. said you were an introvert and then she saw yes. how you were really seeing the big picture of the whole play and that you could be in lots of different places and she, so she put you on the spot and you discovered your gift and then two years later was it fifth grade that you're talking yeah. about yeah okay. that this uh, the day that Martin Luther King died, died. Mm -hmm. that you were in that play yeah that's right and so yeah. and then you were drawing upon your own family heritage for being you know a mixed family mm -hmm. uh, yeah that really probably what role did you play in that fifth grade show? um well there was I played a couple different parts but um I mean essentially I was I was kind of part of the ensemble so like I, I played several different roles uh -huh. but there was like a scene you know where there's like the fountain where there's like a where it says colored and the white fountain and like kind of like navigating that um and I'm actually still friends with some of the folks who were in that show with me uh which is pretty cool so <laughs> now that so we're all grown like up the seeds for you to discover your gift and then begin to see how theater can relate to your own personal story and your family dynamic. Yeah. And then you fast forward to being a director and a, and a yeah, where so I am now. <laughs> it's like there were some steps that happened along the way sure. that you allowed to unfold. Tell us more about that. Sure. So I think then, you know, kind of moving forward, I did lots of plays through high school, through professional theater companies. Um, 
you know, getting some experience and as an actor. And then uh, when I was in, in college, I started to recognize something that I, what I loved about theater was not just doing it, but that I also really liked working with young people. Um, I had an internship where I was able, a summer internship where I was able to uh, actually work alongside one of my uh, former teachers, uh, Maria Ask, one of my other acting teachers and uh, work with young people and to see what it felt like not only to share your gift, but like as an, a performer, but then also to be kind of in a director's role or as an educator. And it kind of started to help me realize that there, that was also a pathway that was really interesting to me um, is to see that spark in other youth, right? So then in college, I started to, you know, really think about what did I want to do with my life? <laughs> what direction am I going to, you know, I had always wanted to go to New York. Um, and so when I did get the, you know, when I graduated from college, I actually moved to New York within like a couple weeks of graduation. <laughs> and I started, I started teaching um, uh, English. At first, I was just teaching English, but then what I what was crazy to me is in the middle of New York City, my the students at my school didn't have a theater program. And so that was that was another once again, like I was like, this is insane. And so I basically worked really collaboratively with the school. Um, it was called Middle School 57, Ron Brown Academy. And we uh, started a theater program, you know, and I had to get funding and I had to figure things out. And that's what was the first time I really got a chance to step into the director's seat you know, more officially and um, to, to start directing plays with young people. I did that for seven years. We, uh, I was directing the annual musical and bringing theater into the classroom in lots of different ways. And, um, and then I started to think about like even bigger, like, you know, what else can I do and how else can I uh, kind of connect with young people um, and so what I did relocate to the Twin Cities, I got the chance to work with a social justice theater troupe, which was even a totally different sphere, right? Because, uh, and it was at a university level and, but I was able to apply a lot of the same skills, um, but we were doing theater kind of in the genre of um, theater of the oppressed. Um, and so that's from Augusta Boal. Um, and I got to do some trainings uh, with, and that was really incredible and go to conferences and, and start to learn how do we, it was like a very specific pedagogy of how do you um, work with communities that may not have a theater background <laughs> and how do you use these uh, kind of these skills that we use as theater practitioners to actually have a rehearsal for the revolution, right? To actually practice like and act out these situations. Um, and so it was an even more direct um, kind of a connection where you are working with the audience is the audience become actors. The audience are not just spectators, but they are, they start to become part of the performance. So that, you know, kind of expanded myself even further. <laughs> so oh, kind of yeah. everything I've done kind of like starts to layer on top of each other um, and, and kind of brought me to, you know, working in nonprofits then and working at the children's theater with the neighborhood bridges program and in schools and then uh, you know COVID happened um, <laughs> in, in you know 2020 uh, and I had a chance to kind of step back from all the things that I had been doing and and doing art uh, for social change and, and kind of I the power to the people uh, with youth performance company the the show that you referenced kind of just came at the right time like um, for me, I had, I wasn't currently, I didn't have a full-time job. I wasn't doing a hundred different projects. And I, so I had a little space, um, to, you know, cause you're balancing family life and <laughs> working and I'm involved in lots of different organizations. And I went to an alumni event with youth performance company and I, I you know, I ran into Sherilyn and Jackie and on zoom <laughs> virtually ran into them. <laughs> And I was kind of, we started talking and, and they had kind of this opportunity come up where they wanted to try an online performance, like a, a virtual play. We didn't really know what it was going to be. Um, we knew that we wanted 
young people to be leading the content and kind of uh, come up with the ideas. And originally it was gonna be called We the People. Um, and something about that uh, just didn't quite sit right with me because I felt like there wasn't that element of like agency or change. And, and for me personally, as a, a person of color, um, as someone that was, would not have been considered even a person by the original founders of this country, <laughs> there's, there's something very colonial and just that didn't quite sit right. And so we kind of connected, I connected more with the, in conversation with the, the phrase power to the people, which really comes from the Black Panther Party in the 1960s and, and the uprisings of that period, I think are definitely intersecting with what's happening now, even though obviously some things are different. Um, and then I really wanted to then use our, the ideas of the youth that became part of the cast to, to really bring together what was our message? What did they want to say? What do they want people to hear? So. Right. Well, that was really, no, and that's just really like working with the youth out of Minneapolis because the um, youth performance company, and you started with them with, at what age? Um, I was, I think like 11. Okay. 11. Like, yeah. You went through all those years through college to starting your own theater performance in New York back to, you know, being talked in, not talked into, but let's say recruited into, hey, we're gonna do something, a new genre that's never been done before. An online theater performance for social change right on the cusp of an election of, you know, right here in 2020. It's pretty, um, this is a, what should I say? It's an interesting time. Yeah. Really be owning who we are as a uh, culture. Exactly. A true culture yep. of, of many different genders and um, races and what does that mean, power to the people. So that name, power to the people, came through you or through discussion with the youth that were in that program? Um, well, it was kind of discussion uh, that we were having initially as we were trying to put together the, as a call for artists. So it was, it was, you know, working with the team at, at Youth Performance Company and just kind of exploring who we were seeking and who we would want to be a part of this. Um, so that's kind of where that emerged from. It's so powerful. So, wow, Laura, you know, it's pretty interesting because how we met and then how you became involved with Living the Potential Network and we did, um, you know, a whole workshop day called the Garden Experiment. Yeah. And. Uh, and I think it was shortly after that, when you heard one of the youth on our panel talk about, hey, we need more civic leadership and understanding and what is a democracy? And then boom, the next day. Yes, get that happened. Problem. How about doing this? I go, hey, Laura, how about we blend a little Portland youth with a little Minneapolis youth? And then, oh yeah, anyone's been following the news, there's a lot of, you know, which we say protests happening in both uh, Minneapolis and Portland. So, and that's where James comes in. So James, you, uh, I would like to properly introduce you as a uh, founding member for the Youth Advisory Council for Living the Potential Network, which I had a chance to meet you to Village Home, Village Home, which you can tell us a little bit about your learning, where you came from, how you showed up, you know, and where you're going now. And maybe there's a few pieces that I'm going to pick up that'll bring you and Laura back into a conversation related to what's next for you because Laura is here as your chosen mentor to support you and where you're going on your journey. So James, take it away. So I've been homeschooled for most all of my life. Um, my parents took me out of school, uh, picked me out of public school very young when uh, they just when they found out that the teacher of the, I think kindergarten class I was in told me not to read to the other kids because it was making them feel bad. And uh, I'm autistic and how that manifests generally is that there are a lot of difficult things that are a lot easier for me than most and a lot of and a lot of sort of generally easy things that are more difficult for me than generally 
and it's and because of that it's been very important to have to be able to learn at my own pace because my own pace is rather different and we went through a lot of alternate a lot of alter different alternatives like just trying to do a sort of public school style education at home but then we settled on village home and discovered village home and that has profoundly shaped and changed my life for the better i greatly love that institution because it provides it sort of provides a similar experience to school of that you know communal environment where people go and learn together but without a lot of the more toxic elements and there's a lot of freedom given to choose your own classes and mold your education to what you want it to be rather than what you know other the, rather than what um the sort of norm is and in general, I feel it's really helped me succeed and given me the space to figure out how to not um, treat my autism, but how to regulate it, to sort of figure out how to um, manage uh, my autism and my attention deficit disorder. Oh, can I ask a question, James? Because, you know, the journey began when your parents realized that there was something off about you being able to read to other children in kindergarten. That was an advanced skill that you had in kindergarten, yet you weren't accepted in that environment because you're supposedly, the judgment was you were making other kids feel bad because they couldn't read. Yes. And I was then... And that's one of the great things about Village Home is that I was placed in an environment where it was okay to be different and where everybody was different. And you could figure out how to, you know, deal with people being different. Exactly. And, like real world stuff. <laughs> and I was, yeah, and I was placed in an environment where you know i could where i could learn to deal with people's what's the word learn how to you know interact with other people as an adult rather than as a child right exactly. um, is that when you is that when you because you were become aware of different people's communication and you created this translation matrix yeah and i know you speak about that um in several places but could you tell us a little bit about that because that how does that relate to you becoming an actor in many of the plays at village home and then how that led to you meeting laura is, that, so, is there a connection between the translation matrix, you as an actor, and you meeting Laura? <laughs> am I, am yeah, I, am kind I of. That bridge okay? Yeah, kind of. Okay. Um, I find that, you know, I sort of fell into acting uh, at Village Home at an early age where I took a theater class and I just, I just really started loving it. And I think I had already seen a bit of theater before and had really loved it and really wanted to be on that stage. And I really fell in love with theater. And I think that it's taught me a lot of things where I used to have a lot of difficulty with speaking. I would start and stop my sentences and because I wasn't happy with the way I was phrasing things. And it made it difficult for people to understand my meaning because I would keep starting over what I was saying. But theater sort of helped me practice that skill where 
it helped me practice speaking in that I didn't need to come up with what I was going to say next. It was already written there on the script. And so it sort of helped me get a feel for how speech worked and how to phrase things. And what age were you when you discovered that? Oh, gosh, I don't know, like eight, okay. I want to say. How old are you now? Uh, 18 or okay. 19, actually. Ah, that's weird to think about. <laughs> yes, you're, you're a, a, a young adult. You're on your way to adulthood here. <laughs> so yeah. um, this idea of over 10 years of learning that um, theater could be a pathway for you to be more self-expressed and be yourself and be different. What, how many shows have you been in and what, what's been your favorite so far? I don't know. I've been in a lot. I've been uh, active at theater at both Village Home. I've been in plays like 12 Angry Jurors and uh, Our Town and 16 in 10 Minutes or Less. Um, and I've also been heavily involved in theater at uh, Pentacle Theater as well down here in Salem. And that's um, a theater that has a lot of my love and affection and a lot of dear memories attached to it. It's a community theater, but it has a very professional atmosphere and a very, and you know, the actors tend to really take themselves seriously and, to, and you know, the crew and the people involved in it tend to really try to make a good a good show. And I find that sort of swapping gears back to theater in a more general sense, I find that the skills I've learned in theater um, are stuff like memorizing and public speaking, which are incredibly useful in my everyday life. For example, you know, the kind of uh, awareness of your body language that you need to portray a character uh, who might be rather different from you in uh, a show is very useful, I find, in regulating my autism um, and making and sort of regulating my uh, stims or ticks into something that's less uh, distracting or less disruptive. And the public speaking and the uh, memorization can be really helpful when I need to memorize, you know, a speech for my essay and, or to help defend my essay in college. Mm -hmm. And the public speaking is uh, a useful trick in that uh, because of my, because of the fact that I was taught projection and how to, you know, make yourself heard even to the back of the theater, I can, I don't really need a microphone most of the time unless the theater is very large. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, well, it's like, so you're now in your first year of college and you've learned how, how to play you, you know, you've learned how to play you um, without reservation and um, find a path. So I'm so grateful yeah. that you and Laura found each other and you were, you tried out, you, there was auditions, Laura, you know, met yeah. you briefly through an event that we did with Living the Potential, but then you had the tryout and then you were on that. So how did that go? And um, my next question is, will lead to your conversation with Laura um, back and forth. So what was it like to go through the audition and then actually be in that and work with Laura as a result? Um, I found Laura, I think, actually through you, uh, through the garden experiment. Yeah. And um, we, uh, I heard that uh, Laura Man Hill was doing this, you know, sort of 
theater project called Power to the People. And I thought, huh, you know, that seems interesting. I would love to be a part of that. And with uh, the quarantine being how it is, I'm always eager to do what theater I can uh, in these times. So I thought, hey, I'll, I'll try to get involved. And so I went to the, you know, the tryouts and the sort of getting to know each other bit. And it's been a while. It's hard to recall. It was the summertime. (laughs) So it was a long time ago, James. And I feel like a lot has happened since then. So, and it was, you know, um, it was like kind of an interview audition, I would say. Yeah, about uh, two years ago, back in June, or back in yeah. like back the end of in summer, some variant so. of time. Um, so that was your first, uh, probably, opportunity to work with a group of youth from another city online, in which you had a voice not only in what the show is about, but your ideas in the creation of the show you know, all of that. So that must have been a wonderful experience for you. And what a wonderful opportunity to be with Laura today. And um, I think what I'd like to do is, Laura, as you listen to James and what he shared, did you learn something new about theater that you didn't know before? Well, I think um, something that I think that's great about theater is that people can come to it in so many different ways. Um, And theater can be, it can be exclusionary, but it also can be really accessible, (laughs) depending on how you present it. And I think what I'm hearing James say, you know, is the communication side of it. And that that's very, I I feel that theater can be very transferable to a lot of different um, areas of life. Um, And I think it can, it it really just depends on uh, what you want to get out of it. And then I would also say what the way that you're um, engaged in it, you know, and the way that people engage you with theater because I think people can do it in a way, and it sounds like you've had a great experience, James, because um, it has helped you, you know, kind of amplify a lot of your skills in a lot of ways. That's kind of what I was hearing, you know, your communication skills and life skills. Exactly. So James, when you listen to um, Laura Manhill's uh, story, you know, to her journey of learning and where she is today, um, how does that, um, is there any question that comes to mind that you would like to ask her since she did bring up the idea of like, what do I want to do as she graduated from high school what do I, or in college? What do I really want to do? You know, those are questions you've been asking yourself. So why don't you two have a dialogue about that journey of who you are becoming and that authentic self that you're bringing to it? What questions do you have for Laura? I have to think about that for a second. I guess uh, one of my uh, main questions is how do you how do you think you can best use theater to for social justice and for sort of changing people's minds? That's a really good question um, because I I feel that there's a lot of ways that people approach it because some people present plays about a topic, right? And they're like, this is a play about racism. And um, we hope that by people watching the play that they'll change their behavior, their, you know, their personal lives. And I I don't know if that always works. I think it is a good way to introduce topics. I think theater can, so there's kind of different layers of like the, the way that you're, you're doing theater because there's the theater that you're doing where you're, it's in presentation form. Then there's the theater that you're doing, um, you know, what I was doing at, at Hamlin University, where we were working in classrooms, and we were creating plays that were five or 10 minutes long, uh, based on real things that were happening out in that campus, that were responsive to those, those specific social justice issues. And then we were asking the people that were impacted by them to work through them. Um, and I think that is another way that that people have tried to use theater um, for social change. And then I think there's also the part of it that's personal and process oriented in that uh, that kind of combines 
those kind of two approaches. Um, and again, there's a lot more to that, but you know, thinking about the process of creating a play and um, through that process, you yourself are changed as well as the other participants and then your audience. Um, so I think that thinking about when you're creating a play where you're saying, I want this play to impact people or to make some kind of a change. I think you have to also think about like the way that you're living that, those values in the way that you're creating the play. Um, and it's something that I tried to do with power to the people. Um, hmm. Okay. There's uh, when I was doing power to the people, I was really trying to uh, think about not only the people that are going to be watching our show, but also how are we re in relationship with each other and how are we learning about our different places and that we come from our backgrounds, the privileges that we have, um, ways that we've experienced harm. Um, so I, I think that's the process is also just as important as the product that you're creating. Does that kind of answer your question? <laughs> I, th I think so, yeah. Yeah, so there's something about it's not only what we're doing, it's how we're doing it, you know? So Laura and James, it's like you have a lot in common about your purpose and mission. Like James, you're currently, um, you know, working on a project called Voices of Unrest. Do you see theater being a part of that? And is there something that you're learning from Laura that might support you with that? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, uh, it is um, at its heart, a theatrical production. It's um, a, it takes after, it's a verbatim theater piece, um, similar to, uh, plays like the Laramie Project, uh, where it's people's actual words taken from interviews to create the script. And I think I'm definitely going to, it's this, uh, it's the same sort of collaborative process in crafting the script from uh, these interviews that it's the same sort of collaborative process that uh, Laura Man Hill uses and uh, her kids, her um, actors uh, use in making uh, the scripts that they use for um, the Power to the People play and the other uh, use, what is it, uh, Use Empowerment Collective? Use. Are you talking about the Youth Performance Company or, or the, the uh, oh, one of the other company. groups? Oh, yeah. I think I work with a lot of different groups. So <laughs> I didn't know if I had mentioned another one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, and so I think we're sort of taking or we're sort of using some of that, some of those same processes to create the script. Yeah. To so, craft the script from these yeah. interviews. Yeah. So I wonder, James, what um, this idea of theater and people and what you've learned along the way here about people learning like your translation matrix, all the way, different ways that people communicate and learning what is that what are the patterns? What's the strategy? You know, you've been, should I say, curious about that. And now you have this love of theater and you're pursuing psychology. I'm just curious um, what you might think or you both of you might think about what is that? How is psychology and theater connected? Number one, and what does psychology have to do with social change? You know what I mean? And theater is connected. So like, there's like this triad of people and psychology and then 
experience through theater and this opportunity for social change, they, how are they connected? Is that a good question to ask both of you? You wanna go first, Laura? Um, yeah, I think, I think everything is intersectional in a lot of ways. So it's hard for me often when people ask me to categorize things. Um, yeah, I think there's always an overlap. You know, I'm, I'm not studying, I haven't studied psychology, but I do think that there is, um, there's inherently like, you know, if we're thinking about just as human beings um, and the way that we're processing things and learning about the world and understanding about the world as well as ourselves, I think there is always an opportunity to think about um, how we can, you know, learn from just other disciplines and then like apply those learnings. Um, you know, I'm currently working at an environmental organization and um, it's called Friends of the Mississippi River. And, you know, we are looking at, you know, how storytelling can help enhance and, you know, protect the river, right? So like just, I think there's always ways for us to look at different fields um, to see how we can um, better tell our stories and to, I mean, human beings have always been storytellers, right? So I think that is part of what moves us to, to think differently or to make different decisions. Yeah, that's a good, good thing. What about you for James? You know, you chose psychology as your next, you know, discovery journey. So was there some thinking behind that that you want to share and maybe ask Laura about? So, um, I've, I'm, I have picked psychology because I want to be a therapist as my, uh, main profession. Um, and I picked that because I think I have, you know, some, uh, natural, I have some, uh, a natural talent and interest in, uh, figuring out how people work in psychology and, you know, trying to help them with uh, their burdens and their traumas uh, as a therapist. And I feel that, you know, I've always been really curious as to how people work and why they think what they think because as an autistic person, it's always been a bit confusing for me. So yeah. I've been eager to resolve that confusion. Yeah. And that's why I'm, and that's why I've been working to cr create uh, this sort of list or script in my head that I call the translation matrix is how do these people work? Yeah, exactly. And um, I think that uh, Laura Man Hill has been, you know, a great help in continuing that journey in continuing that journey of how do people work? And how does social justice work? Why is the social justice needed? Why? And, you know, just helping to answer those questions. Yeah, it's a beautiful way to do it, to get people involved because, you know, just to bring it forward into my next question for both of you is how do you describe potential? And one of the, you know, this is bridging the potential intergenerational conversations that can change the world. So the potential that we're bridging right here is James from Salem, Oregon, to Laura Van Hill over there in Minneapolis, both of them theater activists and social change uh, advocates and, um, and united in wanting to make the world a better place. So there's something about potential. There's a lot of potential right here, right now, but how do you describe it? Who wants to go first, Laura or Jean? You can go and then James can have the last word. <laughs> um, I would say potential is about possibility. It's about future. Uh, potential is, a, to me, it's kind of about unlocking something inside of you 
um, that sometimes you don't even know is there and everybody has potential. Um, and sometimes we just need a nudge or a reminder from someone else uh, to remind us what's there or to help us um, kind of find it within ourselves. Yeah, James, do you have a, would, would you like to address how you describe potential? <clears throat> You're gonna be a therapist, so that's a big thing, you know, helping people find their potential. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's a good description. Um, I believe potential, I'll describe potential as uh, things you can do and things you have the capability of doing um, and talents you have the capability of improving. And that bit about uh, just about people needing a nudge or a tiny push that uh, Laura mentioned is something I really resonate with because I think I am one of the people that needs uh, a sort of push or a nudge to accomplish things and to, you know, live their potential. That's perfect. Thank you. Well, the next question I have for both of you, and um, maybe Laura, you'd like to go first is, what's your favorite way to pursue, embrace, or engage, or unleash more of your own individual potential? What's your favorite way to do that? Um, well, I think for me, a lot of times it's being in collaborative communities with other people. Um, so a lot of the work that I do is, you know, I don't like to be the only person deciding what's the best path forward or, you know, what we should do next. I think that we can learn so much in collaboration and in community with other people. So I would say that's where I've, I've found the most um, potential. <laughs> that's great. How about you, James? Honestly, I feel much the same way. Um, I think that collaborative communities are especially help, helpful and can allow you to build amazing, uh, amazing art and amazing um, structures, either physical, like either physical constructions or um, more figurative pieces of art um like like theater and i think having other people there to help uh to help you work with maybe the parts of the project that you aren't as skilled with or people who are there to help um run ideas by are in are immensely useful and needed to to sort of uh, live your potential, as it were. Yeah, that's a great answer. Thank you, James. So let me ask you, um, do, have you had a favorite mentor, Laura? A favorite, I mean, you talk about your grandmother um, in this journey of your life. Maybe your grandmother, you mentioned a third grade teacher, a fifth grade teacher, some people along the way. Um, maybe James, you'd like to answer that question or Laura, go ahead. Sure. Um, it's really hard to answer that question because I, I feel like what has been really amazing for me is that I have so many. <laughs> and so it's like hard to even name one. And it's almost like that I have just a community of many mentors, uh, you know, a lot of people that have um, a lot of people that have really helped me discover what I needed to be doing at the right time, you know, so, you know, whether it was in New York, you know, my, the principal of my school that believed that I could lead an arts program or, you know, um, whether it was my acting teacher from elementary school. So I think it was like different people at different times in my life have really served as really important mentors for me. So mm -hmm. it's like having all of those people behind me. Perfect. How about you, James? Um, 
Has there been a mentor that's really stood there for you? I think um, the first person that comes to mind when I think about uh, mentors is uh, Whitney Johnson, my mm -hmm. uh, acting teacher at Village Home. Uh, yeah. She's she was my acting teacher for pretty much my entire time at Village Home. And she's just always been there and always had these brilliant ideas and exercises for helping uh, shape our acting and getting ourselves um, out of our comfort zone, but not so far out of our comfort zone that we freeze up, mind you, but just, right. <laughs> you know, just enough so that we learn, you know, exactly. just, just enough so that uh, we can uh, figure out what works and what doesn't and, you know, Perfect. It's no, called the learning edges. You know, you don't know your full capacity. And to, like you say, you get that nudge and you get into that. I don't know. And then you figure it out. You do know, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's coming from somewhere within. So I guess this is a question I want to ask Laura and James yourself, because you may be a mentor. You know, I feel like people can be mentors at different ages, but Laura, here you are with a mentee, James, you know, when you think about it, you know, what are the qualities that you seek in mentees uh, that you're considering working with? What's, what's work for you, Laura? Well, to me, I feel like every youth, it's hard for me to say, like, who I would consider mentoring, because I, I've, I have a very open description in that, like, I feel like everyone has potential and should be mentored, right? Like everyone, and it's a lot of times it's just finding the right person uh, that connects with you or where you feel that, you know, you have something to offer each other, um, you know, just finding kind of that alignment. Yeah. Um, so well, let me ask you another question. Yeah. What's the one thing you, I don't know, you were an early, I feel like you're both old souls, but you, you know, is there something you wish you would have learned or that you knew in your teens and twenties that you didn't know that you know now, Laura? Oh, that I know now. Yes. I would say definitely having more, I wish that I would have told myself um, just to have more confidence in my abilities. And like, as I've grown older, I've just like learned how to step into my power and really to own it. Um, and also that it's okay not to know everything <laughs> and that you can really ask for help and like lean on people for support um, when you do feel isolated or that you're struggling. And it's, it's not a sign of weakness, right? Like it's just, uh, it's, it's, a, it's okay to ask for help, but then at the same time, having more confidence in all of the abilities that I did have and like um, I've heard someone use the term like failing forward, right? Like to kind of take those risks and, and, and you learn from it. Yeah. One of my mentors, Maria asked, you know, told me that mistakes is kind of the best thing that you can do because it's a learning opportunity. <laughs> exactly. So James, uh, and both of you, I guess the final question, like, feedback on both of it is like when you think out into the future, you know, we're, we're history in the making right now. Let's just say we fast forward, you know, 50, 60, 70, 80, 100 years from now. What do you want people to know? What do you want people to say about you in your journey? And maybe some people can't go out that far. And some people say, well, I'm getting, uh, maybe if I can make this up, it's all made up. So <laughs> go ahead. What do you think, Laura? What do, you, what do you want people to say about you 100 years from now? I hope that they see that um, I was trying to make space for other people um, and to work collaboratively with them um, so that we all could collectively be liberated and, and kind of find our, our own path for, you know, what we wanted to be doing, but that, um, that I, I was, I helped make space for, for people to kind of collectively find what they're looking for so that we can all, you know, thrive. 
Exactly, it's beautiful. How about you, James? Do you have an answer to that question? What do you see for your, what do you want to be known for? What do you want people to say about you in the future? He changed the world for the better. Yeah, I love that. I'm not quite sure what that would actually, how I would actually change the world because the world is a large and complicated place. Exactly. But just something like that. Right. That's perfect because uh, one of my favorite people, uh, authors, uh, healer, teacher, uh, Dr. David Hawkins, who wrote the book Power Versus Force. And he said, if you want to change the world, stay home. And what he meant by that was the more we integrate our own mind, body, spirit, and heart and be the best person that we can be, it creates this ripple effect and it creates space for others too, because there's enough for everyone to be their unique selves. And um, I want to thank both of you for being uh, my guests today. And uh, I'm just curious as we close up here, um, what would you say is the big, biggest takeaway? What did you love most or what was their insight that you got from being here today? I got several things, but I don't want to, I want to hear from you. Well, I always love hearing someone else's perspective on um, how art or um, how an experience that they've had has impacted their life. And so it's great to hear from James um, about, you know, how he's going to apply all the things he's learned from theater, you know, in his life. And, and it's nice to hear that uh, the experience that we were in together, you know, was, was positive. So it's just, it's definitely always inspiring to see how people kind of take their life experiences and then apply them in, in like an interest in new way. I think it would be a great therapist. Absolutely. Thank you. What about you, James? What would you say is the thing that you love the most or a takeaway um, that you learned? Be yourself and don't be afraid to speak up when something doesn't feel right. Perfect. Perfect. I think a really important lesson that uh, Laura mentioned and Perfect. one I think I'll try to adopt. Beautiful. Well, a couple of things that I think our listeners, if you didn't have your notepad handy where you were listening um, and you listen to it again, you might be listening to how do we best learn from each other? What does theater have to do with it? How does theater create collaborative opportunities to help people awaken to the social possibility of peace and harmony on this planet? There's a role for each of us to play and that we're not really separate from each other and that you can really make the world a better place by playing your part to the fullest. And through theater, you learn to find your voice. And the sooner you find your voice, the more you can become confident and the more confident you become, the more you can bring forward your gifts and talent to help the world become more harmonious and peaceful. So thank you again for being with us today. And this podcast was inspired by Living the Potential, a community of change makers made up of parents, grandparents, educators, entrepreneurs, conscious business professionals, and more. We're determined to engage the wisdom of youth to save our world. Thank you for this intergenerational conversation. I have all kinds of sensations in my body that said this was a momentous conversation that can and will impact others to think positively about how they can be a part of the new changes for a better world. Thanks you both. Thanks, Laura Manhill and James Schmidt. And one more thing, Laura Manhill, where can people find more information about you? We can have it on the website, but I just want to make sure that you have it in here. Well, I guess you can go to my LinkedIn page. <laughs> um, it's probably the best place. Um, I work with lots of different organizations, so there's not exactly one good place to go. If you want to hear what Youth Performance Company is up to next, you can check out their website. Um, they have lots of exciting things happening. Um, so, and James, where would you suggest people go for more information about your projects? Um, I'd say our Facebook page and our Instagram page. Okay. Are, I think, um, 
the best places to go for more information and for continuing updates. Okay, fantastic. Thanks again to both of you. Appreciate your time and energy today. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did and will join us for the next Bridging the Potential podcast. If you are interested in what we are doing here at Living the Potential Network, please visit our website www.livingthepotential.com and check out the first two chapters of Renee Best's book, Living the Potential, Engaging the Wisdom of Our Youth to Save the World. Till next time!